0: All right, Tanner, welcome to the round table.
1: It's good to be here. The lack of roundness is astonishing.
0: Yeah, it really is. This is how to be the Rolling Stones. We're just two guys trying to figure out how to make it in a really saturated world of art and creativity and genres. And there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to talk about. So where should we start? You
1: know, I I mean, I started off just by figuring out like learning a bit of the history of
0: the Rolling Stones. Okay. But. Uh, the history. I mean, they started pretty young, younger than us, and we're young. The, yeah,
1: they it, they felt kind of like they were getting, like they started, and as soon as they started, they were just off to the races.
0: How frustrating is that? It's I very- mean, like <laughs> early 60s, you make an EP of four, I believe it was four songs that were all Covers, covers yeah. And if I remember correctly, it's like six weeks and they were famous.
1: Yeah. And they, they, they had a record deal. They're, they're like kind of the image of the stereotypical like band that makes it huge immediately that you think in your mind where like those stories come from somewhere. And like the Rolling Stones is one of them where it's like they were playing in a club and one of the A&R managers for a label was there and heard them. and was like, I got to sign these guys.
0: Yeah, and and really using that word stereotypical is funny. I would say there's like hardly anything stereotypical oh, yeah. about this yeah, band. Oh yeah, that's
1: like the only time you could use that. Which word. you're
0: about to get into. But a- another thing that you want to say it's stereotypical to play live a lot because you look online and every artist that you see that's like super successful, at least all the artists I'm thinking of right now play live a lot. They do a lot of things in front of actual people mm-hmm. even in this age of the internet. And that isn't very stereotypical if you take into account all artists everywhere. I think that just like you and I, there are many, many people that do not spend enough time playing live. I read Keith Richards' book called Life, right. and in the beginning, he outlines you know getting to know Mick Jagger. They weren't even 20 years old. Uh, well, they had met each other a lot sooner
1: like mm-hmm. when they were kids, than they like re-met each other. Really? Yeah. Uh, they were they went to like I think elementary school together and then didn't meet again until they randomly saw each other on the, like the train. And they're like the train? You? Yeah, yeah, on on a train.
0: In England there's one train. Yeah. <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, and then they like I think one of them was listening to something and so they started talking about music and then were like, "Hey, let's do a band." <laughs> It's something, a beautiful story. Something like that. <laughs> and
0: I must have missed it in the book. <laughs> yeah.
1: Either that or Keith didn't feel like it was important. He was enough. like,
0: you know, we've been brothers since birth. M- Mr. Richards. I- yeah. Mr. <laughs> right, right. Probably shouldn't be on a first name basis with a man I haven't met. Sweet Mr. Keith. Richards, if you're out there, I would like to know if, if I can uh, call you by Keith. Uh, Email that would be info at com. Wow. All right. Off track we go. Yeah. So... playing live a lot, I would say that's one big point to being the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And I want to talk a bit about in the 60s when they played live, it was so not about the money. It was so not about the fame. I mean, they did say their goal was to be the best. I don't even think they said biggest. Just the best blues band in England. Mm -hmm. And today... I think people would start with the word biggest, and I love that they started with the word best. A a quote from the book, um, did I already say Life by Keith Richards? Yeah, you did. Okay, okay. A quote from that book, it says, Keith kept track of the money they made at their gigs early on. Actually, this is just my footnotes. Lots of zeros and low numbers like that. Here's a quote. As long as you've got a gig, life is wonderful. Somebody called us up and booked us. I mean, wow. We must be doing something right. Otherwise, shoplifting, picking up beer bottles, and hunger was the order of the day. We used to pool our money for guitar strings. I just put a dot, dot, dot because it it went on from there. But imagine a a band of people broke, pooling their money to buy guitar strings. Like 10 bucks. (laughs) Standards are different too, you know? And I kind of love that. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful image that... I wish I could say I already had figured out um but I do think that's something that we need to figure out taking steps towards playing live because we love to play live. Where where would you say you stand on like a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of your desire to play live?
1: Uh so like in term I'll phrase it more in terms of how much I enjoy playing live. Okay. Um and when when I'm prepared and know that it's gonna go off smoothly like the way that we've practiced and planned for it to, I'd say like like an eight or a nine. Um, like I, I really enjoy playing live when we do it well. Uh, yeah. Anytime, but also like any other musician I've had my fair share of uh, flops of shows or just moments during shows. And the times when, like, either we're ill-prepared or when um, just something goes horribly wrong, like uh, like our third show that we ever did.
0: Fitzgerald's.
1: Yeah. Um, that's probably, like, a solid two.
0: <laughs> I-, I would say I'm, like, a five. Yeah. Out of one to ten, my enjoyment playing live has been a five. And that also makes me realize I need to change my thinking On this, I've never taken on the identity of an artist. Mm -hmm. I always just think I want to be a businessman. I want to be smart with money. I want to be smart with strategies. Mm -hmm. And there's so little room for art there. I realize that I relate with hardly any of our artist friends. In fact, a number of them annoy me when, when we're together in a group and they're just being incredibly artistic. <laughs> and I'm like, and then people look at me like "Oh, camera. Oh, That's you. And what's your input? Like, what do no you think? <laughs> it, it doesn't fit. Yeah. I am in a business mindset most of the time. Yeah. And I need to change that. I get that. And I also feel. It gets just, me stuck on the numbers. Right.
1: Uh, I also feel not just having a lack of, You know, leaning into the artistry, but also lack of leaning into the performance, uh, like the identity of being a performer. And I think a big piece of that is that I, for a long time, I just haven't felt like my uh, demeanor is one that constitutes a performer, not like someone that just like naturally captures the audience. Right, right. Um, well,
0: and let's say we're both super famous, right? Yeah. Like the Rolling Stones got to be. There's another quote here where he says, for the longest time from a $50 ticket, we'd get $3. How crazy is that? Jeez. Now, first of all, imagine that you're actually selling tickets at 50 bucks a pop. Right. Okay, they've gotten That's pretty big.
1: Significant, Especially back then.
0: You you think about management and all these other things going on. To only make $3, the main point I'm trying to make here is they still weren't making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it's just another thing to, if if you think of it the right way, I think it's another thing to love. You, you need to do art. <laughs> just specifically talking to you, Tanner, I'm drilling this into you. We both need to, I guess, learn to love art a little more. Yeah. I really need to just be speaking to myself here. Um, Cause I know that this is a big problem for me. And he says all the time in his book, it wasn't about money. Yeah. And that's a good thing to relate with. Yeah.
1: And I don't, I don't think it's even like necessarily having to just instill in your mind, like it's not about money, but also just like there's a natural desire with art. I think uh, to want it to be acknowledged like, if you spent like six hours making a cake and it's delicious at the end, then like you're going to feel good because it's a good cake, but it would feel a lot better if other people would join in with it and eat it with you and tell you like, hey, that was a bomb ass cake. And then you just you roll with it. Wow. Nothing Powerful. Like- <laughs> That's good. Just a little a little cut. I wasn't prepared to say ass, <laughs> but- it no, I loved so it. Bomb out. ass
0: cake. It's exactly what it needed. <laughs> That's not even a cut. So the the next thing I'd like to talk about is is how they managed to play so many live shows, even at the beginning when right. they weren't like the biggest band out there. So many drugs. Drugs keep you going. <laughs> and this is something, at least that was their approach. This is something I would want to fight. Yeah, I would imagine that if you were doing this all the time you know the, the way he put it which i don't have a quote written here but they showed up and there's another band that like opened for them or played after them or mm-hmm. whatever and they had the same schedule he said in the book something like i knew that they had the same schedule as us and i couldn't help but wonder how they looked so good i mean they looked ready and mm-hmm. we were all dead tired and mm-hmm. so we walked up and asked them and he pulled drugs out of his suit pocket whatever clothes he was wearing jacket pocket and that was the beginning. You know, take this pill and smoke this thing and drink a little of this and then you're good to go. Yeah. And I mean, the rest is history, I guess. 50 years of him just being like I did more cocaine in my life than a than a freaking blue whale could survive <laughs> off of. Like so many drugs is what that turned into, and right. I'm amazed that they're still that alive, they're alive today. Yeah. Um cuz there's a lot of evidence that Doing Um, a lot of drugs isn't great.
1: Clarification, most of them are still alive.
0: (laughs) That's a good clarification. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking of Keith. Um, But Keith and Mick, they're both good. Right, they're still kicking. I mean, Mr. Richards and Mr. Jagger. Mr. Jagger. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, their solution to playing a lot was drugs. Mm -hmm. And I know that the world is changing a lot right now in how it thinks of drugs. And it's going to continue to change, and I think more and more things are probably going to become normalized. Right. Um, But there's something about that that I don't like. I'd I'd like to be able to just... And I'm not like Mm anti-drugs by any means, but I'd love to be able to handle that myself. Like, I love the idea of being a disciplined person. Mm -hmm. And I know that if it's how to be the Rolling Stones, this is maybe an alternative answer. You have drugs, and then you have... I guess going to bed at the right hour, not partying all the time, right. being somebody that is well-educated and, and takes care of yourself ought to be another solution.
1: The plan's their path and sticks to it. Because like I do a th- similar thing where it's like I usually, even with something as stupid as like coffee, I try not to drink it when I'm just dead tired because it's like that. It's like making a point to yourself, being like, I don't need this. I'm only drinking it because I like the flavor.
0: Man, you're you've got your morning ritual. The ritual is there
1: because the ritual <laughs> actually helps like like in terms of starting the day, but like if I'm if it's like the middle of the day or something like that, I'm just like I'm so tired. I could like actually use a, a second cup or whatever maybe. Yeah. A, like that's the time when I'm mentally like, okay, no. Just like
0: you won't be one of those guys Mental that says, "Fortitude." I've yourself. had six cups of coffee today, yeah, and they found themselves in, the, in this it's weird just like a little, situation. Little twitch, yeah. yeah, their hands are shaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel great <laughs> when coffee is obviously a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: because also just be somebody who's like, I can't even like function without it. Right. Was always like, and that can be relayed back to the stones, where I imagine that was, um. A rough thing when they eventually did, I think in the 80s, try to sober up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, but um, sobering up or not, I'm pretty sure that it became something that wasn't a moral issue, Mm -hmm. which would be very controversial for a lot of people. But even when he writes his book, it's kind of funny. You can tell there's a bit of a smirk behind a lot of the times when he, when he's writing about the drug use and it's entertaining. It's a really good book. Yeah when you think about doing a live show i i think about you and i going with a guitar piano setting up right and nothing crazy hope to dear heavenly god that we freaking are good and that people people's jaws drop because our lyrics are on point our music is amazing and who are these angelic presences in the corner over there it, without a show I don't think people are going to be too impressed, and I don't think we have a show right now. Our it, our songs aren't, you know, if, if you were to make a list of the 100 greatest songs of all time, I think it's realistic to say, we're not on there. No, We try. Yeah. We really try. You know, 81 songs deep, but <laughs> how do you make a show more like something that people would go to, I guess really the scale that you'd look at with bands, it's like a carnival, like a carnival act. You go and you really entertain. It's not all about the music. What's a good first step for us? Because right now, it's just music.
1: I Well, I think like a big piece of that is knowing, and we've discovered this while recording too, is knowing the identity that you want to have. And so that's also kind of discovering the sound that you want to have because the, your sound is a big piece of your identity. Um, so with a live show, if you're really trying to like craft it and figure out exactly what it is to be more than just two dudes playing a guitar and a piano, you have to actually know what you want to present to the world. And that's something that the Stones did really well where they came up in the same town, same time, like in tandem with the biggest band in the world, the Beatles. And Mm -hmm. the entire time they were seen in the light of the Beatles, like I think you mentioned in the book that they, um, people wanted them to be like the Beatles and were trying to Push them in that direction. Oh, yeah, I
0: didn't hear, but I've been talking about that a lot. I love that idea. People just pushing them towards the Beatles. And
1: then they were like, We're going to be the anti Beatles. We're going to be the. (laughs) That's the the
0: idea I loved. (laughs) Right. They were
1: like, We're going to be the bad boys to the good boy Beatles that everyone loves and is family friendly and all that sort of stuff. And so they, I think a lot of that drug, sex, and rock and roll attitude came from them saying, if our identity is the anti-Beatles, the against the establishment type dudes, then this is how we need to present ourselves, And uh, we're just going to like, not just lean into it, but fully jump into this identity that we're presenting to the world. And I think it was, I don't think they were just faking it. Like, I think that was a large piece of who they genuinely were, but right. it's it's not letting those characteristics just passively present itself to the world. It's, taking them and actively putting them on full display.
0: Yeah. And it's a mix. I mean, they, they recognized that it was their identity and they leaned yeah. into it. He yeah. does talk about that in the book. Um, I mean, you hand them a suit because the Beatles all wore matching suits. They'd rip off the sleeves or give the suits to their girlfriends or, um, yeah, not girlfriends. What do you, what do you call girls? Groupies. groupies? Yeah. <laughs> It so it, yeah, there was that mix of it. I mean, they they hated being pop. Yeah, something in them naturally just they didn't want to be known as pop. So right off the bat, you have fighting against really any system that's ever put into place for them. They were the bad. Yeah, the just bad boys, as you say, <laughs> viciously
1: fighting against any typing of them that people tried to say. Well, this is who you are. Like no, this is who we are. Right. And so uh, that's a big piece to not just uh, like how you act, but in what we were talking about with live show um, where their identity that they wanted was the anti Beatles, the bad boy rock and roll band, but you know, rhythm and blues was like one of their biggest inspirations in terms of what they wanted to go for. But when they started like playing that, they, eventually they they were like trying to figure out um, how to actually write those types of songs and that combined with their other inspirations that they had kind of made their own unique sound. And so um, like us trying to figure out how to be more than just piano and guitar, I think we need to nail down what's our end goal like this. Not that it has to stay the same at all times, but no, it no, is, I've got the it answer for us. This is what our sound should be.
0: Yeah, giant balloons. Giant balloons, like the sound. You know, like. No, 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 no. You'll elaborate. never, you'll never guess where I'm going with this. Please continue. So, at their early shows, they had a giant inflatable cock.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep, laugh it up. That um, okay. imagine you and I showing up doing something so hold on, out there. Was it like, like how big? I haven't looked it up. I haven't seen images, if there are images. I bet there are, because apparently they did it at a lot of different shows. And police just loved it, as you could Yeah, I'm
1: sure they appreciated it.
0: I mean, they would come over to America and do this in the 60s. (laughs) So there was a lot of love to go around. That is fantastic. I mean, the extent to which you want to put on a good show, what you'll do to put on a good show. You and I could start getting creative with that if they're willing to inflate a giant cock. We we need a big cock. <laughs> we don't, but maybe, you know, we could dress Shake a little differently. So it was
1: just a big wiener. <laughs> it's right, like, right. It's like at graduation ceremonies when they're like throwing around the beach ball. It's just a big wiener just flying around.
0: Shake the Earth is one of our earlier songs that really our experience is always playing it around our high school for all our high school classmates and yeah. teachers so imagining being at school but bringing <laughs> a, a giant wiener and playing such a kind of mellow song yeah it really doesn't fit it doesn't add yeah we've we've taken a lot of steps forward and uh i don't think an inflatable cock is one for us but doing our hair up you know i could maybe shower more showers would help yeah so
1: you know i i've, I've start, started to get lazier since living out of our cars last year you know i now we don't look nice i'll go a day here and there without showering whereas i used to you know shower every day but the car life changes you
0: right right well let's say that we figure out how to do our hair oh pause that alarm is for two of the three cameras we're filming this with they have a 30-minute uh, stop that we have, to re, we have to re-film with because video cameras get taxed differently than photo cameras that do video. And to not end up getting that tax to, I guess, happen, they put a limiter at 29 minutes and 59 seconds. Sure so Just a fun fact for people that are listening to this. Um, all right, we're back. Back at it. You know, so let's say we figure out how to do our hair up, dress a little nicer, maybe bring, we can maybe print out like a small billboard and set it up. It could have like a QR code and it could say Spondiferous and it could link to all of our socials and yeah. it'd, it'd be a little more eye-catching. Yeah. It wouldn't be cock eye-catching, but it would <laughs> <Yeah>. be something. <laughs> we don't rock enough to have a cock flying through the air, let's no, be honest. it wouldn't work with the songs we have. Right. But how do we get the songs that we're going to play live? How? What methods could we use to songwrite more, be better at songwriting? I actually am addicted to this one of just systems and methods to improve songwriting. Uh, One
1: of the big things that they talked about, and you might be able to tell the story from the book a little better, but... Was, you know, kind of forcing... They had... I don't remember who it was. Was it their manager? Andrew. Andrew? Yeah, I think that might have been the manager. His name was Andrew. And he forced them... Must have been a handsome... Probably. Suave man. handsome devil. He forced them to stay in, like, the kitchen of whatever house they were staying in. And basically said, you're going to stay in this kitchen until you come out with a hit song. Right? (laughs) Lock the doors. Yeah, And they they thought, well, we have, we got food and we got
0: a sink to pee in. We're out the window. We're good to go till morning. That's a bit drastic. But I mean, a lot of people are able to survive for a night, even if they didn't have food.
1: If if they can't survive for one night without food, they've got other problems.
0: (laughs) But apparently Mr. Richards looked over to Mr. Jagger and said, Mick, if we're going to get out of here, we've got to come up with something. And I'm curious to know how long they sat there doing nothing and fiddling their thumbs um, Mm -hmm. before that moment happened. But Keith said that he came up with a guitar lick and there's a, I have a quote here for this. I'm going to try to find it.
1: So they they, they spent a good portion of the night there. And by the end of the night, they, I think they had a song. Should I just wait for you?
0: I'm not finding this quote. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah, they came out of the kitchen with a song, and I love that idea of forced productivity. Mm-hmm. I was even impressed when, in high school, our teacher was like really thoughtful, knowing that you're a songwriter and telling you, I'm going to give you a an assignment. What, what was that assignment again?
1: It was a teacher of ours that we both love that was for like, I don't even remember what the class was. It was like our senior class and basically said to everybody, you can do a creative project as like your final thing. Right. And it was literally that wide open. And so I thought to myself, well, I mean, that kind of opens it up for me to be able to do music as a school project. Okay. So he didn't say write a song. No, it was like, what better uh, option or like what better opportunity than that to you know if I have to do school anyway I might as well make it music and so I came up with like some people would like write a poem do a spoken word or like uh, do a drawing um I came to him and lame and I know right other artists um so I came to him and asked if I could just write uh, four songs about what is normal and a uh, very strange prompt that I came up with, but uh, that was one of the things I was fascinated at the time. I didn't know yeah.
0: that either, that you came up with the prompt. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, because. Uh, well, kudos you know, to you. Just things that the world sees as normal that aren't necessarily or that shouldn't be.
0: See, from my perspective, you show up one day. I think you were living at my house at the time. Yeah. And <laughs> at my parents' house. Right. We were both living with my parents in high school and you walk through the door and you're like, I have four new songs. And what blew my mind most of all is that I really, really liked two of them. Mm -hmm. The other two were so, so (laughs) no, they were all good, but I really liked two of them. Right. And that was the first time I had really thought about, okay, you could do prompted writing and you could even come up with it yourself. I mean, the teacher did nudge you, but to even know, okay, you did come up with the prompt. This is something I think everyone should try.
1: And you kind of glazed over the phrasing of what that is, but like just to rehammer it is like forced productivity is putting yourself in a situation where you have to have something done. And that's what they did when, yeah. they, when Andrew
0: put them in the kitchen and said you can't come out until you have a sink. Pee song. in the sink. Just pee in the sink. Yeah. And there's another one that I actually came up with yesterday. Um, so I discovered, again, through the book, I don't know... Both of these artists. I think this one's called Happy Wolf and Bo Diddley. I do know that one. Heard Bo Diddley. They both wrote songs with one chord. Wow. Right? I, that doesn't even make sense to me. I'd have to go listen to them. But imagine those kinds of restraints as a right. songwriting prompt as well. It's like painting. Try painting with one color, different mm. shades of that color, Yeah. but one color. That'd be kind of fun. He said, the silence is the canvas. They're showing more of it, and it's beautiful. Mm. That's That's great. That's
1: cool. I like that. Yeah. Because that's another thing that can kind of get overwhelming in the world of music is that there's literally every single avenue and route that you could take when writing a song, when producing the song, uh, and to kind of give yourself some balance to say, okay, Make whatever you're able to make using just these things can help a lot with just eliminating a lot of the fluff and the options, the paralysis of options that you have, basically.
0: Yeah, and if you're someone, you know, through the podcast world listening to this and you do not write your own stuff, like, I know... I know of a lot of artists that would say, "Start doing original stuff obviously it makes sense to start with some sort of covers for songs or trying to recreate other people's paintings or things like that but to get your your real start your your real first step forward, I think that it has to do with original <coughs> sorry original work um, I have another quote here from the book if you don't mind continue so he says quote we were very happy as interpreters of the music that we loved. And this was back in the day when they were just doing, you know, a bunch of covers. Right. Already famous. Right, right. Tear rolls down my cheek. Um, going back to the quote. We thought we had no reason to step outside, but Andrew was persistent, strictly pressure of business. You've got an incredible thing going here, but without more material and preferably new material, it's over. You've got to find out if you can do that. And if not, then we've got to find some writers because you can't just live off cover versions. That quantum leap into making our own material, that took months, though I found it a lot easier than I expected. This is Keith Richards talking. Right. The famous day when Andrew locked us in the kitchen and said, come out with a song. Oh, here's that. Here's that thing that did happen. Why Andrew put Mick and me together as songwriters and not Mick and Brian, or me and Brian, I don't know. It turned out that Brian couldn't write songs, but Andrew didn't know that then. I guess it's because Mick and I were hanging out together at the time. Andrew put it this way. I worked under the assumption that if Mick can write postcards to Chrissy Shrimpton and Keith can play guitar, then they can write songs. We spent the whole night in that goddamn kitchen and I mean, we're the Rolling Stones, like the blues kings. We've got some food, piss out the window or down the sink, it's no big deal. And I said, if we wanna get out of here, Mick, we'd better come up with something. We sat there in the kitchen and I started to pick away at these chords. It is the evening of the day. I might've written that. I sit and watch the children play. I certainly wouldn't have come up with that. We had two lines in an interesting chord sequence, and then something else took over somewhere in the process. I don't want to say mystical, but you can't put your finger on it. That's a long quote. That's a lot. So yeah, that's, that's Keith. I don't know who Brian is. And by the way, before getting into any of this podcast episode, before researching them, the Rolling Stones wasn't somebody that either of us really listened to. No. I thought that Keith Richards was the drummer. And I just went with it. You're like, Keith Richards, the drummer of Rolling Stones, wrote a book. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was excited. And uh, I was like, it's really odd that the drummer was so involved in the songwriting process. Right. So, to anyone out there that loves the Rolling Stones, I'm sorry. Causing, and uh,
1: I'm, I'm sure causing plenty of people to just roll over in their, probably not their grave, but their bed or. They car can roll seat, over in their grave. Yeah.
0: Roll over in your grave. So. <laughs> Um, this is an idea that, that you don't know where your songs come from. You know, when he says, I don't want to say mystical, but you can't put your finger on it. It's another thing I've seen so many artists talk about not having a clue where the inspiration comes from when you write. Mm -hmm. And I hate that idea.
1: It's, it's why whenever you ask an artist, how do you write songs? Most of them are going to be like, (laughs)
0: right like shrugging their shoulders I I wish that I could have full creative control Mm -hmm. and that I could pull out a piece of paper and start with this is what I want to write about and then just work forward linearly Mm -hmm. you know once I have the idea this is going to be a love song this is going to be a love song about this specific girl who did this specific thing and my reaction to it and then using that you 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 don't stray from it and you just move forward and from verse to chorus to verse to chorus you've got a song that's never how it goes no. and that's really frustrating yeah
1: and i think i think also like it takes different times for that to work like i think you can whatever it is that brings the song about where it's like, you know, you have that moment where the inspiration kind of comes and you're able to, like, for some reason, you just think of the perfect line. Um,
0: Instantaneously. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, for me personally, I'll spend a lot of time just sitting there waiting and I'll write down a bunch of stuff that I really don't care about, but just write it down to have it down. Right. And, you know, hour in or something like that, I'll get one line just out of nowhere. Just be like, yeah, that works. And then immediately it just, like the spring just dries up again. (laughs) I'm I'm in a constant search to figure out how to keep the spring from drying up.
0: Well, they say that Mick Jagger's like prolific. He's just, he can write lyrics so easily, like in a day he'll come up with a song. Yeah, And that they would do that quite often. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean... We talk about playing live a lot. They also wrote a lot. That's mm-hmm. another huge pillar to being the Rolling Stones is wrote write so much more music.
1: Not just wrote, but also wrote and released a lot. Yeah. They, I, I believe they have somewhere around 25 studio albums.
0: You're trying to po- poke and prod at us saying, sure, we've, we've written 81 songs, but we hardly release anything. Exactly. They Let's see. i got to look this up on Spotify because I won't be able to remember how often they released music.
1: I believe they released an album a year if not more than that for a while. Not, obviously not since they started,
0: but. No, let's see. I've, I've got this here. In 1964, they released three albums. Let's see if that's right. No, they released two albums. One of these is a duplicate for America. So they did The Rolling Stones and then they did 12 times 5. That's, Two albums, each having, I think, 12 songs. And then in 1965, they released four albums, each having 12 songs. That's absurd. Yeah. They released Somebody was like, songs. hey, group of guys, write songs. And then they were like, like okay, here's over 102 years yeah. that we're releasing. Yeah. Now, I know that some bands will write 100 songs, pick out the 12 best ones, So that their album is, you know, maximum capacity, greatness. Right. I don't know if that's what they were doing. For all I know, every single song on the album was every single song that they had written. Right. Um, But either way, it's impressive. Yeah. If you were to set some sort of limitation there, even, I don't know if this would stifle creativity. Personally, if you were to say, I need to write two songs a month or two songs a week. um, I don't know if that kind of pressure is good or bad, but... I think there's
1: some people who would hurt, some people who would help. I would probably help me because otherwise I'll just spend way too long on the same song. I see what you're saying. And the thing that originally inspired me to write the song will start to dwindle.
0: I actually think it'd be good for everybody. Yeah. People just need to know better systems and structures to write with. If Mm. you feel lost when you're writing, what we were talking about earlier about prompted productivity or prompted creativity and and forced productivity. That's probably what most people need when you really, you know, get to the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they had that, so I don't really know their secret. But when I go back and I listen to those albums, I don't think it's just a, a sign of the times. I think a lot of those songs were not timeless.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, They for weren't sure. that, that was, great. That's one of the things that I think that it almost feels like back then, and for them, maybe it was easier in some ways, not discrediting them whatsoever, but, you know, like they they weren't trying to craft a produced piece of gold necessarily. It was like they had their band and they would go in and record the band and then right. somebody else would mix it and then they would release it. Maybe that, that could be misrepresenting it. I, I don't know. But that's kind of how it seemed to me.
0: Just a simpler process. At least
1: for when they started. Um, No, I I think it was definitely
0: a simpler process. He even talks about it being a simpler process. Mm. It's just, I guess it's hard to say whether or not it was really easier back then. Right. I mean, Maybe it was harder because they had less things to cover up. Well, and with the internet today, we have so many influences that everybody wants to think it's easy to be creative. But back then, you know, I think they were more unique. Yeah. There were less influences. There were a lot of influences, but you didn't have... You might have had guitar, bass, drums, and vocals. Whereas today, I mean, when you start getting into like digital audio workstations Literally and everything stuff... everything
1: is an instrument. Anything yeah. can
0: be... A, a, any sound can work in a yeah. song. And it does get a lot more complicated. So while there's a larger barrier to entry, there's also easier access to knowledge, education, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Two thumbs up to YouTube.
1: And almost... I, I feel like barrier to entry is the wrong phrase because there's a smaller one, it seems. Not even just it seems. I think there is a smaller barrier to entry where they were literally just playing live back then. And then when they got signed, they were able to start touring and releasing music and all that. Whereas now... We haven't even sniffed the label, but we've released...
0: Haven't even sniffed it.
1: 18, 19 songs, however many, and have played a couple of shows. Of course, not very many, (laughs) not enough, but we've gotten in touch with the people that can uh, release our music and produce our own music, um, where none of that was available to them back then.
0: Right, right, yeah. I mean... The 60s were different. I still feel that the barrier to entry is kind of really present today. Um, I don't just know. Just because it's more I saturated? Yeah. Yeah. It, it just feels like there are tens of thousands of artists trying today. Mm-hmm. And I can't verify this because I haven't looked it up or anything, but I wonder in the 60s, how many different
1: original bands were there who always was actually trying to like make
0: it did they make it because they were one of 15 at the time in england that were doing stuff they were doing or were there thousands right i personally would doubt that there were thousands but i wouldn't who knows? think so because today it seems that there are well over tens of thousands trying to i mean we're living in texas I'd imagine there's well over 10,000 bands trying to make it in Texas. Probably. It's it's it seems like there's a barrier to entry for sure.
1: And and to the people that do think that there's a level of randomness to it, there there is, but I don't think you should ever default to thinking that they got where they got by chance because there's the entire idea of saying there is a little bit of luck to people who make it huge, but the people that make it there are u- are usually in that position because they've put themselves in the position to be ready for when that luck comes around. And so, for example, with them getting found by the A&R manager by, of the label, that probably wouldn't have happened if they played one show a week. Maybe it would have, but if they were out multiple days a week playing multiple shows a day, just the odds of one of those crazy things happening, you're driving those odds up. And so putting yourself in the position to not just get better and do things on your own, but also putting yourself in the position to come across those freak instances that catapult yourself forward.
0: Yeah, that's a a good point. That, That takes me to the next little factoid here uh, branching out listening to a lot of different artists I think one way that they put themselves in a better position to be successful is how they studied well I mean in the book he talks about it says Mick and Keith would go record hunting together Hmm. I mean imagine you and I just thinking we're going to go to a bunch of different record shops we're going to buy all the new music mm-hmm. every week. We're going to keep buying new music as it comes out. First of all, that's another thing that makes me think there had to have been less music being released because you, think, yeah. you just can't keep up today.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but you also narrow it down to the genre you're looking for. They knew they wanted to be a blues band. They listened all the time, They all the time, to what they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like you and I, we want to be a blues band and we constantly listen to blues. It was a horrible example and didn't add anything to what I was saying, but we've never really done that. We kind of have our own tastes and we like a lot of the same bands, but there's certainly things that you like that I don't. I've
1: I've done that to, to scale like reverse though, where there have been songs that I've been in the middle of writing. And when I got, like one of the songs that I wrote back in the day. I was heavily inspired by like one of James Bay's albums, like his first one. And it was like right at the time that I was inspired by that album was when I started writing this song. And so I just put in my head the like one of those self limitations. I cannot I will not allow myself to listen to anything except for this album until the song is done. And the song took a month to, to do. Wow. And it turned out like one of, if not my favorite song I've
0: ever written. and So by excluding all other bands from your ears, you actually think that helped you kind of make your song into what it needed to be?
1: Yeah, because it, it it was taking... That was one of the ways that I learned how to to reference what I was talking about earlier to keep the spring from drying up. Where the album itself inspired the crap out of me. And I didn't want to move on from it until I had done something with it. And so I just didn't.
0: So you don't want the spring to be dry and you want all of your crap to be inspired out of you. You understand. <laughs> There's another quote here from the book. It, it goes like this. <laughs> we called ourselves, prepare for a band name that is not the Rolling Stones. Oh, I know. Little Boy Blue and the Blue Boys. Wait,
1: what? <laughs> that's not what I had written down. <laughs> what did you have
0: written down? Blues Incorporated. Well, that's not what was in the
1: book. <laughs> Little Boy Blue and
0: the Blue Boys? It's brilliant. And they wanted to be a blues band. Yeah, it says, Mick and I had a totally identical taste in music. We never needed to question or explain. It was all unsaid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> We'd hear something, we'd both look at each other at once. Everything was to do with sound. We'd hear a record and go, that's wrong, that's fake. Or, that's real. It was either, that's the shit, or that isn't the shit. No matter what kind of music you were talking about, I really liked some pop music, if it was the shit. But there was a definite line about what the shit was and what wasn't the shit. Very strict. First off, I think of Mick and Me, I think to Mick and Me, it was like, we've got to learn more. There's more out there. Because then we would branched out to rhythm and blues, and we loved the pop records. But the minute we went on stage trying to do a pop song, it was like, go to the broom closet. In early shows, they did a lot of covers. The quote actually ended, so I wrote here as a footnote. In early shows, they did a lot of covers, because whenever they tried to do pop songs they weren't their own they're talking about covers that they did on all of these yeah and having a totally quote totally identical taste in music i wish i could relate to yeah it seems that as a band especially for you all to be on on one road together moving forward it sounds so nice even in songwriting not even just lyrics or, or styles or whatever just sound
1: well it it just sounds nice to know exactly what you want to be right so I, I that i wouldn't say that we have totally we don't know yet different like we definitely don't have totally different tastes in music like we like a lot of the same stuff um we have some differences but our confusion a lot of times comes in not knowing what sound we actually want to have because we like we mentioned it earlier we both Acknowledge that we want to be more than just the next, you know, acoustic and piano guys down, down the road. Yeah. Heck no. That's no. We want more than that. But then like we fiddled with doing rock sounds, uh, like lightly while, like while recording songs and then like, that's not exactly the route that it feels like we want
0: to be in. There's a moment in like, hello brother, our song in verse two that, gets me it gets me really excited cuz mm-hmm. we have electric guitar going and acoustic guitar strumming to heaven and the yeah. drums are going and it makes me think this is a band sound but then after we do that record we think is that the sound we want to do for the next song maybe on the next song we want to try something more like John Bellion does yeah, really like experimental yeah. using logic pro and going to the moon and back with using our vocals as instruments and junk right. we <laughs> I would kill for some direction.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, and it, it almost seems like we just need to keep going and you know trying a bunch of that stuff because like w- another thing the hiccup that we've hit is that doing that band sound requires more than just us, right? And that's something that we just recently acknowledged. Like, of course, we knew it.
0: Well, we we already benefit from that aspect of the Rolling Stones, how they were a band of, I think, six at one point, and then these guys came to them and said, Get rid of the piano player mm. live because six is too many and doesn't look right and it's not the image you want in your photos. So they told their sixth member, You can still be on our records, you can drive us to our gigs. Actually I think he was such a cool guy. He totally got it and he was like, I want to drive you to your gigs. And, and he stayed a part of the band, but he wasn't in the photographs and I think he was on the record credits and whatnot. Wow. But us being a band of two right now, even though it's not five people, it's far less to deal with. Um, we don't have to rely solely on ourselves for creativity. I'm able to bounce things off of you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that's just a huge benefit. Like I would say if you're a solo guy and you feel a little bit stuck... The first thing you need is experience. And a good way to get that, I think, you know, without signing contracts or anything, go to schools or college campuses or churches or anywhere where there's a group of people where there might be musicians and find somebody that also wants to do music. Don't think to yourself that they have to run the marathon with you and that 30 years from now y'all are going to be the duo, you know, still going at it just think okay in the next 12 months what if me and this guy write 20 songs together that's going to be a leap forward that's way more than you know taking your first two to three steps Mm -hmm. and because you didn't sign anything and y'all aren't making money together anyway you should be able to have an open conversation with them even up front saying i don't know what the next five years looks like for me um I don't even know if that's how most people's brains work. I guess that's how mine works. Just always (laughs) thinking five, you know, five year steps, uh, planning, 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 but you, you could be an open communicator to them, letting them know, I'm not trying to form a band. I'm trying to just collaborate. If they're really gung ho about being an artist, maybe the both of you end up on peaceful terms, separating and being your own artists, you know, down the road and maybe they end up being five times bigger than you so fight hard (laughs) yeah
1: and also ideally there's someone who is a bit different than you who knows different things than you and you guys can kind of teach each other
0: yeah and i realized fight was a weird word for me to use back then i think what i was referring to was like fighting your own procrastination or fighting you know the world at large when it comes to having to get known i think what i really meant to say was work hard right right um, but having a duo doesn't need to be a committed thing. That's a good note. That way you don't hold yourself back from going and yeah. collaborating with people. Yeah. Um, even long term collaborating, you know, a lot.
1: Yeah. Over twelve months. I mean, you've even gone and written stuff without me. That's with other random people, just for sake of you know expanding your songwriting, your different things. I'm personally not the I'm not. I don't have a whole lot of fun co-writing, and so I've mainly just written stuff by myself. But
0: co-writing is tricky. I'm not a big fan of it either. Yet, yeah. that's because I still have a lot to learn regarding actual song structure, right. like writing a sophisticated strong song. Yeah, I've spent most of my time writing songs willy-nilly, and no structure is in mind at all, and that's fun, but. I can tell that most of those songs ended up being something that would be less successful. You know, there's another point behind the Rolling Stones. If you have a band and communicating clearly, mm-hmm. if you ha- if you're a band of five and you have everyone else signing your contracts for you and putting together all the logistics, how much control do you really have about the way that everything gets set up? The Rolling Stones went really big and after they got really big i think there was a lot that was unsaid and i'm assuming that but it seems kind of clear to me and mick jagger ended up doing his own solo career yeah how weird is that
1: like so many of those bands back then like the lead man kind of broke off for a while and tried his own thing yeah That it's like i haven't i don't even know if i've heard any of Mick Jagger's solo stuff but pretty much without fail it's usually
0: worse (laughs) it's usually worse there are a number of songs from different artists that have branched from their bands um, that I'm very thankful that those songs exist but Mm -hmm. it's usually like maybe one song yeah and it doesn't seem worth all the things that happened in the band but you know it's like sometimes they don't know better so you don't want to just point fingers and yeah shoot people down it, the point for new generations of people trying to do this is no better. You know, it's something that I'm really grateful that you and I do well is communicating our expectations, mm-hmm. uh, where we're wanting to go with this. I think both of us are fully willing to lose a lot and be homeless again and all this other yeah. junk trying to make this happen. Um, cause we have time. We know that we have time. We're in no rush to do a lot of things like, get wives and get kids and junk like that so i'd say we're in a really good position regarding that i've got a couple quotes here about mick jagger separating from the the rolling stones and some of these are kind of rough (laughs) give us the quotes man okay so for this one i don't know how much of this is a quote or not it says in the early 80s this is just me in the early 80s the band was once introduced as mick jagger in the rolling stones Wow. How weird is that? That that's a lot worse. <laughs> and the band did not know it was gonna happen before it uh, happened. Really? Was it like on T V or I I don't know that, but you, that would just be so wrong.
1: When did you say it was? In the eighties. Eighties. So they were already like well established.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, most of their hits had already come out yeah. and it's like Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones.
1: And it's just like and and the what? <laughs> yeah, if I went
0: on stage and it was like Cameron and Spondiferous.
1: Luckily we don't have the, we're not the Spondiferous. So I'm
0: just I'm sorry in advance for even that idea. Of I would probably just
1: punch you in the face and then walk off the stage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it says Keith Richards' reaction in the book um uh, was since when? And, and he said That mixed ego had made Mick Jagger's head so big that he couldn't fit through the door. (laughs) And he started treating his bandmates as higher-ons. I think a band should definitely be more like a family, and you and I definitely have a brotherhood. So again, I'm just grateful for what we've got going here. There was an album they came out with called Dirty Work in 1986, and this got so bad that they wanted to tour with it. And Mick Jagger sent them a letter saying... He would not tour with it. He wanted to get on with his solo career. Oh my God. (laughs) And then a little later, Keith Richards read in an English tabloid that Mick Jagger was quoted saying, the Rolling Stones are a millstone around my neck. Wow. So I kind of, I guess I'll leave it with that of just being in a band without proper communication can go south. Yeah. Go really south.
1: Uh, I mean, band just being like any other relationship, just, you know, be a decent human being and then talk about issues when they
0: come up. Well, it's a partnership. And as you learn more about how to partner with other people, long-term or short-term, this is something that anyone needs to learn about. Yeah. So, all in all, kudos to us. Are we the Rolling Stones?
1: No. Definitely not. No. Nowhere near enough cocaine. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> nowhere near enough. That's right. Um, nowhere nowhere near enough hits as well. Proven uh, yeah. hits. Maybe we've written a dozen hits, but because we haven't figured like out how to, to release them yet. You'd think we have yet, one, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you would. You would. The funny thing is, if you could look at the map of the last 60 years and just think, if if this song of ours was released in this year, would it have been a hit?
1: Right. Well, because there's so much more than just like, was it released in that year too?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, things going on at the time in the world or where you're located in the world. In Mm -hmm. 2020, it always seems to me like you're releasing music into the sea of... The void. Algorithms. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Algorithms that seem to say, if you're new here, I have no reason to promote you because there are tens of thousands of new channels of new uh, profiles every day or every week. You're just one of those tens of thousands. So first of all, until you prove that you can post content regularly for however many weeks or months, I'm not going to notice you. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty, it's pretty mean pretty brutal algorithm it makes sense
1: for the algorithm to do it makes, it makes sense to, i mean somebody has to program the algorithm to do that and yeah. so it makes sense like why would spotify or apple music program the algorithm to play something that isn't naturally just getting plays
0: yeah and then from there you have to understand all these other things that make your stuff successful we've got a long road ahead of us but yeah. i'm excited for the future yeah. i'm excited for all the cocaine That um, (laughs) that isn't going to be done probably. (laughs) Always put that caveat. All the passed up cocaine. Yeah, I'm excited for the time when I meet the man with the jacket and the drugs in the jacket, and he says, "Hey, man, this is the stuff." And I don't know what you know exactly. I'll say I I just can't wait to look him in the eyes and just see what I
1: see. Single (laughs) tear. I was waiting
0: for this.
1: (laughs) Well, he's probably going to get scared and leave. Right. Right. Well, that was how to be the Rolling Stones. I don't know if we answered it, but
0: we we answered something. I think that a lot of these prompts are helpful.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, for sure.
0: And there's a ton that we need to start implementing. Um, yeah. Lots of work that we need to do.
1: Yeah. I'd say our biggest takeaway for this would probably be playing live more.
0: That's a good first step. Yeah. It's funny. We kind of outlined like our six next steps
1: yeah just by outlining stuff they did
0: oh man this is going to be good looking at all there there might be
1: some overlap we need to figure out ways to come at it from different points how can we be such a lot of these bands are probably going to have a lot of similarities which will be cool to see which ones those are
0: right but we're such beginners after five or six years of this i feel like by now we should have like at least been playing live more regularly yeah you know what We've taken strides here and there. This month, we've got to play live twice. Let's make it happen. We've got one on the books already. We did. It just happened out of thin air. Yeah. Now we got to book a second handed one. handed to us on a silver platter. All right. All right. Well, Tanner, I will see you for the next episode whenever we do that, because we haven't decided how often we're going to do these. Last, last question, though. Okay. Rolling
1: Stones. Yeah? Favorite song by the Rolling Stones. Hmm.
0: No, okay, that's actually really easy. I've always loved Gimme Shelter. That's a good one. What's yours?
1: I I got to roll with Can't Always Get What You Want because it's it it's just the right vibes.
0: It's yeah. a good... The thing they do, I don't know if it's an organ or what, but...
1: Yeah, it's an organ. The, yeah. It's so I, I good. Just, I that just feel like... even so good. Even, even when it's just broken down and it's just him and the guitar at the beginning and then eventually everything comes in, but it just... I feel like I'm there just cruising along on a nice cool but summer evening. Okay. And I've got some like my my grandpa's like yellow aviator shades on. Interesting detail. And I've got I've got my honey at my side. Wow. And, so this is in the future. You know, we're, we're cruising along drinking uh well, I don't even know what we'd be drinking like a, like a brisk tea. Wow. And summer brisk. We're like we're cruising along like a highway that's on the side of a cliff with the ocean on the other side. And okay. And just listening to that, you know. Mm-hmm. It just feels right. That's how I feel when I, when I hear you can't always get what you want. Well, I'm happy And then I you. think you can't always get what you want. <laughs> Which is that? Which is that image? Precisely. It's the It is the carrot in front of me that I'm striving for. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs>